1: back this is the gastroenteritis blues i'm steve Lippmann with emily anderson and dan Volpone. hi guys how are you
2: i'm good how are you
1: doing great everybody's in a weird place dan is on a boat emily is in a parked car we're having quite a day yeah it's a good one it's yeah. a good one so uh, we're
2: committed it feels like, to
1: getting this done no, like no matter where we are it feels like it's been a long week since our last podcast which is my way of saying I missed you. And also, I, Aww. it feels like the season ended a really long time ago, but it was only a week ago. And since then, the next day, I think on Monday, uh, Brett Brown was officially fired. Uh, Dan, what are your nautical thoughts on Brett Brown being
3: fired? Brett Brown was going to be fired and I am going to miss him. And I'm okay with that. I think it, I'm resigned to it. I've been, you know, expecting it. Um, and they'll they'll hopefully pick a good coach I don't I don't have anything crazy for you okay Emily your your Brett feelings
2: yeah I think I kind of talked about them last week we all knew it was coming so I really I really felt my emotions like last Sunday morning when everyone was posting like Brett Brown tribute video oh you're right, right I I contributed I posted my picture with Brett Brown on Twitter and I was like thanks for the memories you know Brett We love him. I hope he lands somewhere good. I hope it's like an Andy Reid situation where, like, we win a championship first, but then he gets one too. Like, that would be That would be amazing.
1: Yeah, I think the only thing I saw for Brett is that he's on the Indiana Pacers list of potential coaches. So, it would be fun to have him reunited with Jakar and uh, TJ.
2: Yeah, I agree.
1: Um, the only, he put out a statement that was very classy and he didn't mention Brian Colangelo anywhere. I think it's really fun. It's a great thing to do. Um,
2: it's like I, a last petty jab and I'm here for it. So.
1: Exactly. He was like, fuck that one guy. He's not making it in here. Uh, Brett coach, he I think screwed players. Right. he screwed everybody over. Um, so yeah. And then the other news that came out was that Elton Brand is going to stay on in the front office, but it sounds like there are a lot of changes coming to everybody but him. Uh, I guess I personally don't feel like I can believe that until we actually see it. Um, Emily, how do you feel about Elton staying on?
2: Um, I agree with you about I'll believe it when I see it. I was kind of in the camp that I was ready for Elton to be fired too, but they seem like they're okay putting their eggs in his basket, so it's just a matter of if those changes come. Like, is Elton the one making the decisions, or is it the – Brian Calangelo Holdover is making decisions. Are we trusting Elton to make the decisions? Did he make the bad decisions or did someone else? Like, I feel like until we know all of that information, and we probably never will, I don't know if I'm comfortable with it or we'll see what happens in the future. So I guess I'm a big, like, shrug emoji. I don't really know.
1: Yeah, I mean, on face value, it sort of looks like Elton got a promotion in that now he's, like, solely running the coaching search and he's firing people in the organization. I don't know exactly what he did to deserve a promotion. Like I like him in general. He seems like a nice guy and he's good looking enough for this podcast. But Dan, what do you think about Elton? Okay. Dan? <laughs> is Dan is Dan there? Dan might be gone.
3: Well, Emily.
2: It says he's on mute, but. Wait, hey, I all? just,
3: I just connected, but I'm back. All right, here we go. I don't know what happened. You better have something really good on Elton. With the question, the the question was, how do I feel about Elton taking more control? Right. Yeah, I think that um, I don't know how. Like he put out the statement where he was like, you know, two years ago I wasn't prepared for my job, <laughs> uh, but now I now that I now that I've been in like the worst front office in the history of the NBA for these two years, like I'm really like I'm ready for this responsibility. It's like. I'm not, like, you learn what not to do, but we all, all, everyone knew not to do those things, so Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't think that inspires any confidence at all, really.
1: Yeah, I mean, when, when they hired Elton, like, they were in such a good spot, in terms of assets, and uh, the players, you know, they had a young Simmons and a young Embiid, uh, and they really could have, I think, had basically any prospective GM, but they hamstrung their own search by saying all of, Brian Colangelo's friends from college have to be in the organization so like (laughs) that's what you get like all you get is a guy like Elton Brand who is well liked but like has no prior experience or in a meaningful way so I mean they got what they deserved in terms of like the personnel they brought in um now we look at the coaching search I hope that they do the executive stuff before the coaching search like I don't it, it feels I'm too nervous about nobody getting fired and everybody staying here. Uh, but the coaching candidates that they have listed uh, seem to be Ty Lu, Jay Wright from Villanova, Ime Udoka, who is an assistant uh, on this year's team, and Dave Yeager, uh, who most recently coached the Grizzlies. Keith Pompey was doing some really good tweeting the other day that Jason Kidd is interested in the job. No, thank you. Uh, John Lucas, who I, I truly am a big Sixers fan, have no idea who that is, but apparently he coached the Sixers in 1995. He wants back in. Um, what do you guys think about the short list as it is now? Emily?
2: Um, so I think I'm on the record saying that I'm a big no on Ty Lu simply because they couldn't play the step over video anymore. And I think mm-hmm. that's more important than him as a coach. <laughs> um, and then Jay Wright, I think it's an interesting choice, but I don't think there's any indication that Jay Wright is even interested in leaving Villanova. Like, I don't know why you would leave that job for the Sixers. Like, leave a job where you have, like, infinite tenure and really can do no wrong <laughs> to a job where you might get fired in two years. Like, he's just – I wouldn't do that. Right. Personally. Um, and then I – Udoka is a good choice, but I don't really want to hire from within. I know. That's the whole I think thing, Yeah. We need someone to come in and, you know, if he's been part of this culture of non-accountability, we need someone to bring in the accountability. So, I don't know why I like love any of these choices.
3: Yeah, what do you think, Dan? Personally. It was, it was better than I expected when I saw the list, honestly, because I was kind of expecting, you know, like, anyone who's ever called a game on ABC to be on the list (laughs) so like the fact there's not a van gundy or like mark jackson on the list is like that's pretty reassuring at least they're not just like you know oh josh harris has heard of this guy like let's bring him in for an interview right because no i don't want any of that (laughs) so i think i do think there are some good choices in there i agree like i kind of i don't want udoka just for the fact that i'd rather clean house and just kind of get a fresh start but um if like if you look at, you know some of the other guys on the list, I'm like besides for the fact that, you know it wouldn't, you know you couldn't play the video. It's just a bummer. I'm fine <laughs> with Ty Lu. I'm fine with Jay Wright. So I think, but I mean I agree. I don't know why he would leave, but it's at yeah, least a that good be start. Fine where with it's like these see these are some competent people.
1: Yeah, I mean I guess the only reason for Jay Wright is that it's a challenge and you come in and like like the, the ceiling of doing well in the Sixers job is much higher than the ceiling and doing well in the Villanova job. But obviously there's so much more variance in how it could go and like the scrutiny he would be under and, and all that kind of stuff. Dave Yeager, it seems most people are not crazy about that idea because I think he wears out his welcome pretty quickly and has had trouble with like working with uh, front office people and all that kind of stuff. Uh and yeah, I mean, so one thing that was in an inquiry report was that the Sixers uh, will be interviewing a female candidate, um, Becky Hammond. I think is the first one that comes to mind. Dawn Staley, coaches in WNBA or or college. I actually, I might be wrong. I don't know. Um, South Carolina. She, oh, yeah, South Carolina. Um, and she's great. So I mean, I would love if they brought in the. I I want them to interview a lot of people. Like I want them to. What I worry about is that these four names are the only four names, and they're like, they already have like a, a an oral agreement with Tai Liu before they even have the front office people. Um, so Dan, any other candidates that you would like to see added to the list?
3: I mean, I I'm fine with the list. I think I agree. Like, interview plenty of people. Don't just you know hire someone's son as they've done before. Did um, they do that? But, they did that. Oh, they. They did do that. I don't know if you knew, but uh, they, that has happened. <laughs> but I would be, I would be happy with, um, with definitely. I think it would be pretty cool if they brought in like Becky Hammond for an interview or Don. Don. I don't know why Don Staley would, would I guess leave where she's at because she seems to be in a great position with a winning program every year. Right. But, but I think it, I mean either of them, either of them would be would be really cool, and they both deserve a chance. So I mean it that would be really exciting i think to to have some like female coaches in the mix
1: yeah emily
2: yeah i agree um i'm i agree with you that i want them to interview so many people like i want like literally anyone i want them to like get new ideas and learn like be innovative and just not hire people because it's like the status quo or it's someone's friend or right. i want them to like do a good job and I feel like that's not like a high bar to ask, but for the Sixers, it seems to be like a a big ask to just like interview a lot of people and like find the right person.
1: Right. I mean, we really want them to be thorough, which is like, they haven't been that since Inky left. Like they seem to just like take the path of least resistance. Like in trades, they just give up whatever they have to give up to get the guy that they want. And like, it just seems like time and time again, they end up doing like the path of least resistance and they yeah. do all of these easy things. Uh, Ime Udoka is really good looking and I bet he'll be a good coach. Um, it's a bummer that he was on the Sixers staff. This, Like I feel like he was on another team staff this year. We would be very much more interested in him. But the fact that yeah from within and they're, you know, this year was such a shit show. I don't really think that uh, he gets much of a look and it's a shame because I do think that everything I've heard is that he's, going to be a good coach and he's married to nia long which is very cool
2: really yeah i did not know that i mean that makes sense she's beautiful he's very handsome it makes sense
3: yeah so actually um, now that i just remembered one one name i would add is if is if anything weird happens well they're up three two now it doesn't seem like it but if for some reason d'antoni's fired i would like to bring him back the
1: dan tony thing is interesting because this roster is seems like so counter to what he does and what he has done but he's clearly a really good coach and he he's like an ideas guy like he's he he definitely is an innovator and uh i would be interested if he was interested in like how he would deal with these two guys um emily what do you think about dan tony
2: yeah i agree um yeah and like then, then it's like this roster is not fit for like a D'Antoni style, but what is the roster going to look like next season? Like, I'm not sure. Probably the same knowing the Sixers, but like <laughs> we can only hope. Um, and the ideas thing is really interesting. I remember reading, and I think it was probably a Robert Covington article. Maybe it was that one on the ringer. And they were talking about how the Rockets just like use their G league team to like try new weird things. Like, like shooting a gazillion threes, and then if it works, they like bring it to the Rockets. So like, yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe we should start doing that with the with the Blue Coast. Like, just like make a mini Sixers roster, and then try a bunch of weird shit there. And then what works, bring to the big team.
1: Yeah, that was in the Covington Ringer article. I don't know who wrote it, but it was recent. Um, and yeah, it seems like the Sixers don't do a ton of like uh, innovation at all. But especially with the blue coats, I don't, I don't, I mean, they pretty much get guys minutes down there, but I don't know of anything they're doing in terms of like mirroring what they do it, yeah. with the big, cl- with the big club. So I don't know. I think
2: that's like such an interesting way to use your G League team.
1: Yeah. And that like, if we were running a franchise, that feels like the right way to do it is to like throw yeah. shit at the wall down there. So I'm going to bring in our special guest, our first guest ever right now. Cool. Your own yes how are you thank you so much for joining us uh there we
4: go okay sorry about that
1: yeah of course uh, that's emily anderson and dan volpone is here uh you are our first guest ever oh, We're very happy to have you uh how are you doing
4: i'm okay i see i'm in the uh sun whatever is that okay do you care if I'm? oh yeah it doesn't like matter this? yeah
1: it's just audio okay i'm good yeah. guys what about you thank you for having me
2: yeah, stands on boat, so.
1: oh there you go <laughs> that's right <laughs> Um, So the last time you and I talked was uh, basically with the release of your book, Tanking to the Top, which I love and can't highly recommend enough. um, I was very interested in afterwards. Obviously, people love the book, especially people in our particular universe. Um, Did you hear any reaction from people within the Sixers to the book? Did anybody reproach you for certain stories that are in there? And uh, what kind of stuff came back to you from from the Sixers then?
4: Um, okay, so it was a weird situation because the book came out March 17th, which I believe was the week that the world shut down, um, right. I think the NBA actually shut down in that week, if I remember correctly. Um, so yeah, normally a book like that comes out, you this, uh, you know, the cliche for sports writers is like if you criticize about it, you make sure you show up the next day. Um, that was sort of removed, that ability was removed right. from me to be able to do that. Um, so no, I went a while without hearing directly. It wasn't like when it came out that anybody specifically reached out and said, you bleephole, what is this? Right, um, right. Or stuff like that. There have been some, uh, which I probably can't fully share. It's become very clear that a lot of people around, some people around the team and within the team, um, were not happy based on ways and things they've, uh, ways they've treated me since. <laughs> and, and the process of <laughs> Nice. Nice. <bullying. laughs> yeah other requests via, via be media requests or to get on a press conference or things mm-hmm. like that um that's become very clear so that's the answer to that um especially that and in the wake of um you know everything happening the whole thing going to shit this week or last week whatever it was um so yeah that's a yeah i'm not sure if i'm close. so it's like i got a call from like josh hire saying mm-hmm. you're an asshole like well how dare you what is this but and i don't even know if it goes up that high but there have been a few uh correspondence with Let's say, and Sixers and outside the Sixers people, um, where it's become clear that there are some issues.
1: Is it safe to say that you're no longer invited to play basketball with Scott O'Neill? <laughs> that's a good one. I never played with that. To be honest, I actually think that
4: was all weird anyway, right? I mean, this is a whole separate conversation. Like, right. I don't know. There's a There's a. There's a valid. Listen, I get it. Like, and it's hard. Scott O'Neal is doing that as a reporter. It's funny, right? You're supposed to keep up a barrier. I'm all for playing ball and that's fun and stuff like that. Scott O'Neill's doing that for the reason that. Um, he wants to he wants to humanize himself and like you know and the Sixers and make the people covering the team like the Sixers more. Um, right. So there's a valid argument be said you shouldn't be doing that anyway. Like you're not supposed to accept free things. We all take sure. free food and whatever, or we pay a little bit. But so, but I, yeah, I was never I never did that before. Um, I, yeah, I wonder if I'm on you know five years from now when we're all allowed to actually touch each other, if I'm on the uh, official email list for that.
1: We're email. all going to be waiting with bated breath to see, <laughs> see you on the short list. Emily, you got
3: one.
2: Uh, yeah. So I had listened to your interview with Zach Lowe and you guys kind of go through like three inflection points of what went yes. wrong in the Sixers, be it Mark Fultz not being not good, uh, the Tobias trade and Jimmy leaving. So we were wondering, um, like, what would you say or any of those the most to blame for the Sixers' current state? Is it something else? Like, what do you think is like the number one culprit?
4: Um, okay. It's a good question, right? So the number one culprit, I can't, I don't think you could say the number one culprit for what's happened here is any one specific move. Like for the book, my book, it's aging pretty well. If you take out the last like five pages where I have an optimistic spin because I thought like you're supposed to do that, like it really aged really well besides that. <laughs> but like a big part of it is how like it's a, you know, and i used this in a column I wrote, it's a, it, like what we see here is the culmination of years of mistakes, right? And it's a lot of context, everything that's happened. It's um, so, like the accountability stuff that Josh Richardson mentioned, there's a lot of that in my book. Um, and you go back to that, and that goes back to Brett Brown, but also Sam Hinkie, and also to your drafting guys who come in, like Joel Embiid, in these tough situations where he's not from America, and his uh, little brother dies tragically in his first year in the NBA, and he's not playing, and he doesn't know how to react. And from there, you kind of he's not listening, and then there's no accountability there. And how do you kind of get that back? Um, if you're a coach, how do you kind of take that back? And it's, these are really complex things. So it's hard to pinpoint one thing or to say, like, this one trade was it. That said, the ones so if I'm going through those specific moves, like you can also go through the ousting of Hinckley, which again is not, he has a role to that. You know, obviously the league pushed him out, but he made mistakes um, politically and also from a team building standpoint that affected him. And, you know, there were, there were valid reasons or valid criticisms of Hinckley, even, um, I think even, you know, like right, to Ricky Sanchez level um, supporters <laughs> would admit, right? Um, so there's that. Um, if you're going through those three trades, the, the false one I always go to, It's easy to pick on that if you're being fair, I think literally almost almost literally every single talent evaluator in the basketball world other than the Boston Celtics thought Markel Fultz was going to be, was the number one pick, was valid. And if he is the player that they believed he was supposed to be, that is the perfect um, teammate and partner to Embiid and Simmons. So I kind of write that off. Maybe yeah, you don't want to trade the extra lottery pick, but that extra pick would end up being number 14 or something. It was like right. three and 14 for number one. Right. That's a fair trade. If false is what you think he's going to be. So I'm going to have, um To me, I go the best trade and contract is really – and give, give to Tobias and then signing him to that team. Um, those asset, that many assets normally, are, that's kind of thing against you like a superstar. Um, and then more than the Jimmy Butler, um, more than not signing Jimmy Butler, it's that, cause again, there were valid reasons to that. And like we talked, you guys know these, you know, Brett Brown and him, the relationship, uh, Ben Simmons making clear that that was not something he was a fan of, um, Jimmy Butler running the half court offense. It's more just how you allocate those resources. Um, you know, I'm not saying they could have got him, but like you'd rather Malcolm Brogdon wing type as opposed to another big. Um, so if you ask me the biggest one, that, that to me, I might go the I might go the Horford one because this, uh, it's either the, the Tobias trade or the Horford one. Um, I think the Horford one was the most. Um, it was the easiest to question in the moment. I guess that's how I'd say, right? The Tobias right. thing, like, okay, it was a bad trade. They came. I mean, we always say they came close. They would have had to win the conference finals, but they they were they had a legitimate shot to win a championship last year. If they do that, nobody cares if they gave up an extra draft pick. Right.
3: right, Dan. Yeah, so I was wondering what you thought about looking forward. Like, I know at least from like the Philly fan perspective, it's really easy to be like, anything we can do to kind of get off the bad Horford and Tobias deals. But then Elton Brand, kind of speaking uh, to the media recently, said you know he thinks Al Horford can be a good piece on a winning team. Which I mean, obviously he's not going to bash a player who's on the team publicly. But but do we expect big changes or? Or is the, or is, you know, the front office going to kind of look at it and say, you know, we're just going to, you know, keep these guys we are going to keep Tobias. And now they're too hard to move, you know, we'll do our best with them and we'll try to put pieces around them. Like, is it going to be a big off season or kind of just a minor thing?
4: Um, I think the answer to that is they're going to try at some point, it's going to be a question of how much, like how, how desperate are you to make the change? Right. I, I know it's kind of a, answering your question with another question. Like, you know, Elton Brand can't come out in a press conference and say, "I want to trade out Horford." Then nobody's going to offer him anything, right? It takes away all his leverage.
3: So he has to. Right, of course, yeah.
4: You know, at, at some point they should probably leak through somebody, "Hey, we're going to keep out Horford. He looks great." Things like that, right? Um, you know, that's that's the move. That's how you play it out. Um, they have eyes; like they saw how this went. Um, right. They're, they're pretty. They're pretty valid. They, they like. They're, they're, contrary to what many might believe, they're not completely idiots. <laughs> right? Like they're not. Um, and, and I do think there's something to be said. I do think the front office is gonna be more of a traditional model, whereas Elton Brand will be the key and lead the voice there. Again, maybe you're worried that worries you if you're a Sixers fan, we'll have to learn, right? See how, um, how uh, you know, how, how good he is at evaluation and making these kinds of decisions and things like that. Um, but I expect them to try trading Hartford for sure. Um, it's it's hard. I mean, they're in a pandemic, so teams don't want to take on extra cash, and you're going to have to give up something else. And who wants a center anyway these days? Like, you know, Rashawn Holmes would be a perfect backup center. He got what did he get, like five million in two years or something, right, like, whatever the contract right. was. Um, that's the kind of thing. That, that's what backup centers go for, not whatever Horford's deal is. Um, so that's going to be the difficulty, yeah, and the idea of you know the, the old move might be like how the Nets built their team, where you take other teams over. Um bloated contracts for the tax basically of a draft pick um, that might those there might not be as many um, takers in that regard given the current financial state of teams and the league and who the hell knows what the CBA is It's just between the, the, the questions ahead for the Sixers and the entire league it's so hard to predict what even the options are.
0: Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent you want your child to have every opportunity and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com.
1: Right. So speaking of the front office and of Elton, um, it seem, what, what seems clear now, when we're recording this on Sunday a week ago, the Sixers were swept by Boston. What seems clear now, obviously Brett's gone, so they're going to hire a new coach. Um, Elton will be staying on, uh, mm-hmm. with it seems like a more control than he had before which we were just talking about this i'm not sure what exactly he did to deserve like a promotion but sure um and it looks like there will be changes to the front office other than him every day that goes by that there isn't an announced like firing of the people <sighs> surrounded you know colangelo's buddies that are still there it makes me nervous that like they're just gonna sort of shrug and keep everybody on and get a new coach which was my ultimate fear um how confident would you be in meaningful changes to the front office personnel uh other than elton okay
4: so i'm gonna use a different word i I think if you're a fan i get why you know you call for fire everybody right i get it i do think the changes you're looking for have happened so okay alex ruckers like like the number two guy everyone i assume people think this podcast like do we know how else Rucker is? we have to yeah. go? I know this is like, you know, inside, inside baseball, but, um, yeah. you know, number two guy, the executive. Rucker and think, Cohen. Yep. Yep. Every, yeah, every basketball, every Sixers fan wants those guys out. I don't necessarily know if you have to fight. Like, I think that key changes have happened already in terms of what Elton's saying, that he's going to be the lead voice. Um, what he said, the lab model hasn't worked for us, whatever he said. Right. Which he was asked about Scott O'Neill. He's right. I think that was his answer. Right. So it's right. been made it clear that he's going to be the lead voice and that Scott O'Neill will. Having a um, major impact or say in basketball, purely basketball decisions. Those two things there are the changes you like you're talking about, right? Ned Cone, I don't know. I'm not in the building. None of us know. So Ned Cohn could be really good at salary cap stuff and liaising with the league office and I don't know whatever else you know, lawyerly type stuff. Might be great around there if you're not just if you're not offering him the ability to you know, yay or nay on this draft pick or trade, right? Um, Rucker could be really good at running models. You know, analytics is obviously his thing. Running models, a good analytics mind. Sometimes the basketball analytics conversation gets twisted because I think you know a lot of people associate you know how to look at. You know, basketball analytics does not mean just looking at numbers. It knows how. It, it means knowing what questions to ask and how to input those into models in ways that tell you things about in in numerical way. There's like a disconnect there that sometimes people don't pick up might be really good at that you just don't want him making your decision input so i don't know so i think that the changes have already happened there the rest is evaluation i guess seeing who can work with who and who with what and what their skills are i don't know their skill none of us really know you can all get our gossip whatever and right. i can talk to person x or y and hear this and they can tell me that but i don't know you were not in you know even even a report really plugged in you're not getting you're getting so, like the morsels we're getting so tiny of what actually goes on in an office in terms of the what goes into a decision in terms of these guys specific skills might be a word like there might be a reason elton wants to keep them or josh harris wants to keep them around i get what you're saying i get my answers i'm repeating is that i think those those changes have happened already
2: okay i never thought about that that makes me feel like a little better
1: (laughs) see look at that you're helping (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's what i'm here for
2: (laughs) so i think that Um, this new front office with Elton making a lot of decisions, we think what one of the biggest decisions they're gonna have to make in this off season, besides, you know, tweaking the roster is hiring the new coach. And so we were just Mm -hmm. wondering, like, what, what is like the main quality or qualities of this new coach that the Sixers need to find to like, in order to make this thing work?
4: To me, there are two parts, right? So there's one, which it's not gonna talked about a lot but i think it does matter it's you know schematic um prowess right and just knowing how you have a roster that's clunky fits so well especially offensively but even defensively too you know offense gets the attention but you have too many big guys who can teams you know most of the league now are full of guards um do you have the schematic know-how the basketball xml and o know-how to make this put this puzzle put this together put this puzzle together right in a way that works in 2021 um that's obviously really important the other part is you know it's the accountability stuff and the ability to kind of tell Ben Simmons no you're going to shoot a three or you're going to want to pull you or no you player x is going to run our half court offense in fourth quarter you're going to be here and you're not going to complain about it to Rich Paul right um things like that Joel Embiid you're going to show up in shape again these are hard things because like it doesn't mean you should go all Bobby Knight and throw a chair at somebody if they're not listening it's NBA these are professionals these are adults there's like a know you know it when you see a type of thing it's not like you can just scream at somebody it doesn't mean you want a screamer. I don't necessarily think that works. You just need somebody who has that innate ability to get that buy in. Um so those are those two those to me are the areas that I would be looking at. For sure.
3: Um so the oh yeah so the the Sixers you know as COVID started were planning to cut salaries uh of their employees and then they kind of backtracked on that because they were taking and and quite literally uh because they were taking hate on Twitter. I mean I think Woj even reported this that like, you know, no owner wants to come on and see their name being dragged on Twitter or anything like that. So it was literally people were mad at me on the internet, which is hilarious. But but now, you know, the team was looking to buy the Mets and now they're talking about, you know, as as the players like immediately as the players start like going on strike, they decide to leak to um, Keith Pompey from the Philadelphia Inquirer that they're trying to build a new stadium in Penn's Landing. So like. With taxpayer money. With taxpayer money. So like everyone is, everyone is struggling. People are getting laid off and they're going to ask the city to give them money instead of, you know, people who actually need it. And, (laughs) and so like, is there any defense to this? And like, why why are they so stupid like why what how who who is like is no one responsible for like any kind of like public relations in this in this team what is going on here
4: always to me like is there defense no right to me i always go back to um josh harris's i think it was at sloan conference two years ago when he goes there's a um we own a like $5 billion, $5 billion chemical company and nobody cares about it, but everyone has an opinion about the six to start five. Yeah. Um, so for that, like, I think that explains it all. Right. These are guys who think very, very specifically, uh, not exos, excuse me, dollars. Um, you know, spreadsheets like we'll be making money what helps us bottom line and they you know owning a sports team is different one it's in a public eye two is there's a very valid argument that it's a public trust given not just you know because we all like it or because fans like it but you get tax breaks and all these kinds of incentives and there's all these other things that go in there um which you guys are aware of so no, is there defense of it no and surprised no right that's kind of how josh harris and these guys are cut so that would be kind of my answer to both so
1: What I can't understand, like, if they want to be those guys, sure, I get it. They're buddies with Kushner, like, the whole thing. It's all very on brand. I don't understand (laughs) how – because they do care about optics. Like, they do care when they're getting dragged on Twitter to some degree. How do they have nobody in there with the foresight to be like, this isn't going to play well? (laughs) Or, like, it it just seems like such a, like, a blindness – to to what will in actuality happen and like how people are actually living during this thing that they would like put the wheels in motion for something like this in this period of time it's it's hard to fathom but i guess it's you know when you have that much money i think it's probably hard to listen to anybody
4: yeah i mean it's truth to power right it's hard to uh you know, who's going to be the one to, to tell your boss? Do you, do you how often, like, I don't know, in any of our jobs, we tell our bosses that they're being dumb, right? I don't right. know. Um, I agree with you, right? I, there's no, I mean, this has been a Sixers thing for years, right? The It's a weird um, paradox of caring a lot what people, what the public thinks, which is very obvious, but also seeming to have no read on what the public actually, thinks, how to have the public think well of you. And it's a strange mix. Um, I think that happens a lot, probably more than we think. Um, maybe. You know, because you're insul- insulated from people. I don't know. There could be a million reasons why. I, I don't, it's a good question. I don't have a good answer.
1: It's funny because they, they had Sam, who was like sort of reclusive and would not be giving a lot of on the record comments uh, to reporters. Then they get Brian, who was obsessed with what the people were saying to a certain degree. I don't know if you've heard of this, but he came up with all these different Twitter accounts. <laughs> um, you should Google it, it's wild.
4: I might've heard uh, something about that. Yeah.
1: Right. Uh, and so it seems like they need somebody who like cares enough to stay employed, you know, to the point where like they will give the fans some transparency, but not to the point where they let public opinion drive, you know, the decisions behind the team. Um, yeah. It's it, it, it's an interesting
4: mix of, um, ego and sensitivity and stubbornness. Right. right I guess that's right. why it's like, I care. But I also, I know best, right? That's the thing I know best. Right. Nobody can tell me anything. Yeah.
3: Um, and again, do, do you think that's, that's more of like an ownership level problem? Or is that like some of, the, some of the people that are more running like day-to-day operations with the team?
4: Um, I mean, I would guess ownership. And I mean, I think Scott O'Neill's played a role in that somewhat, right? Some of these business decisions are definitely him. Again, so like you guys mentioned I, I don't know like that it was leaked to Keith Pompey. I'm always a little wary of you know sometimes he might have actually found out. They might have not wanted it to get out, right? I right. don't know about that. So it could be you know before I criticize them for deciding now to be the time. This might have been something that's in the motion for you know five months or whatever. I'm making that up, you know, and just reported it out and got it confirmed now. So that so that's a little different. But like the the pay cuts, right? The uh, the salary the salary reductions at the beginning of COVID. Um, that was certainly a business side of things, and that those optics clearly played out poorly. And uh, I'm guessing, you know, head of business, I'm guessing Scott you had a role in that. So, yeah, it's a. I'm repeating. I don't have a good answer. It's really strange and interesting, and it's weird that people who are considered really good at their jobs, like these, could be the things that they run into.
1: Right, Emily.
2: Um. Yeah. So, just quick, going back to we kind of like went to front office, but going back. To- to coaching you kind of mentioned the accountability thing and um you know ben simmons not going to complain to rich paul about you know not having the ball so one of the main coaching candidates right now from what we've heard is Ty Lu who's also um represented by clutch and we've talked a lot about in this coaching search with how close joel was to brett and ben to a certain extent having those guys you know in the room and as part of the decision making process at some level on this new coach having some sort of buy-in do you think if they brought ty in as like another clutch representative, does that go any distance in alienating joel from this like core of the team
4: that's a good question also i wish so it's funny so because ty Lou, i know he used to be andy miller yeah, are we sure he's clutch now? I don't know if he. I mean, I'll, I'll go through the word for it. um He wasn't always that. He's got different connections. It's a good question. My answer. I think Tyloo would be a really good, a really good coaching, um, coaching option for the Sixers. That's kind of my answer to that, right? So, I, I, you're going next level with it. I think on the ground, Tyloo clearly demonstrated ability and understanding and capability to deal with superstars and egos and. Uh, high pressure situations that are under the spotlight, right? And that's and he's a player. He's got the championships as a player and as a coach. Like these are he has all these things if you're looking for at check off. Um, you know, there are stories out of Cleveland that he would kind of, you know, he would he wouldn't mind telling LeBron, calling him out on things, stuff like that. Kyrie, same thing. Um, so and when I guess my answer to you is I don't know if it would necessarily reach that next level. I think Tyler has demonstrated like he's really good at communicating with superstars. To me, if I was a Sixers fan, I think that would be the guy I'd want as my next coach. All right.
2: That's
4: good.
2: Yeah, I can get over, maybe I can get over my video thing. I always say that it would be hard because they wouldn't be able to play the step over video in the stadium when Iverson's there, but maybe I can get over it.
3: They'll find a way to lead into it to bring fans out. They'll they'll like reenact it on the court or something.
1: Um, so as, as everybody's going through everything with COVID and nobody really knows what exactly is going to happen with the CBA and, you know, it looks like Michelle Roberts and the NBPA are going to have to figure out some sort of come to Jesus with the league and uh, obviously right now things have been pushed back in terms of like the start of free agency and the draft. Um, do you have any idea how likely an amnesty clause would be in as a part of the new CBA. People have been saying that it might be part of the new CBA to help teams financially. Um, uh, do you have any idea how likely that might be? That's interesting.
4: I have not. The answer is no, I don't. Um, yeah, that's a good question. I, don't, I find it so hard to answer any question um, related to what the future CBA looks like or anything like that i mean this it's been very clear and for good reason the idea is get through the bubble and what's going on there now and deal with everything else after right Mm -hmm. even there was a recent report they're already pushing off the draft and whatever those um, trigger dates are for ending things they don't know anything right now right they know nothing um there's gonna be some arguments now i think practically from the standpoint of it's too complicated to deal with. We can't deal with it yet. Also from the standpoint of there's going to be some real um, clashing and issues here between players and ownership when you actually get down to the nuts and bolts of negotiating what the future financial system and situation in the league looks like. There, you know, There's no reason to bring that up now in the middle of all this, right? There's no reason we need to hit each other at this point. Um, so I think it's, could there be an amnesty? I guess, but I, have, I honestly have no idea.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, I don't know what, what they're going to do in terms of like the bubble worked in terms of COVID and, and safety and uh, getting everything off. And, you know, if you're watching on TV, TV it looks basically normal. You know, if you uh, don't, you know, expect mm-hmm. cutaways to fans, I, I'm curious as to whenever the season starts sometime in the right, event, exactly like, are they going to be in their own stadiums? Or are they, you know, like the NFL is not doing a bubble and baseball is not doing a bubble. Like, it just seems like they've had such success with this, but I don't think the Players Association would go for like a four month long bubble, uh, so no way, I don't know what no they want to do. <laughs> they don't either, like you know
4: the, the, the now the the popular you know um answers tossed out there as well maybe you know you know four different bubbles and you play a month and you go home for a month or whatever you know you play clusters so let's say you, you know eight teams go to orlando for a month and then eight teams go to vegas and eight teams go to new york and then you go home for a month and you go back you know making things up like that but uh but i'm saying that like they want to get fans in the stands, right there adam silver says that's 40 percent of the um where the 40 of the revenue comes from i always thought that number that number seems a bit high to me and others have mm-hmm. thought so too. So maybe it's just posturing. Cause I don't, I feel like that's yeah 40%, but either way, if it's clear, that's what they want. Um, you know, it is also ties like if they're, they have good Intel and they're tied into the highest levels of this stuff that, you know, a vaccine, Hey, a vaccine will be ready in end of January. Right. right. They'll hold off on that, I think, and say like, okay, like we can wait, you know, this season we salvage this, we got the season, we'll do the draft. We'll do some BS here or whatever. Um, We'll do free, we'll build around free agency and then we'll start in January, right? Like the Olympics was a big thing, cutting off before then. Who the hell knows what that looks like now anyway, if there'll be Olympics, like, I don't know if that's a realistic thing that you have to worry about anymore. Um, yeah, like I always, no one's told this to me, but I always, like MLK day would be, that almost, be I like be start day, they do around that, it's a big NBA day, January. Um, at the end of January, maybe that's kind of where the calendar starts. Um, mm-hmm. I know really love the Christmas Day things, so obviously they'd want to do that, but just so much up in the air now. Um, and a lot of it, like I said, out of their hands, right, in terms
1: of vaccine, things like that. Yeah, for sure. Dan, do you have anything else for your own?
3: I don't have anything else for your own, but I would want to point out with all this amnesty clause talk that when they had an amnesty clause in the most recent, uh, I guess, not <laughs> CBA. The Sixers used it on Elton Brand. So it would just be it would be, a great kind of, it'd be a great way to tie everything back in. You know, the process is a full circle, that kind of thing.
4: That is, uh, that is great. That is funny. That is very funny. It would be funny I, to see, like, with a player who was Amnesty, like, would he be willing to Amnesty someone else, right?
1: Right, right. Has he just been saving it yeah, exactly. up for years? Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, right. To me, I just, yeah. uh, maybe it's I'm a long pessimistic, time. but, like, it feels to me, in terms of that Tobias Harris contract, and Tobias is somebody that I like, uh just as as a human and basically as a player when he can make a shot in the playoffs is like mm-hmm. I when think was this, amnesty, <laughs> i feel like the amnesty is the only way they get off that contract at least for a couple of years i don't do you do you think yeah. i mean you're from new york do you think the knicks are taking a swing on that what do you think no i don't think so right <laughs> i think
4: it's similar but it was always like okay let's call up the knicks or the kings right right, see if they'll right. Bite. um do uh no, I don't think so. I don't think so. It's too many years, right? There's so many years. Horford, you can, Horford, you can move. You can right. move Horford. Um, you attach something to it, but the years are pure. You can do it. Like, you know, the Tobias Harris or Chris Paul is the one fans love to talk about, I'm sure. Um, mm-hmm. Why would the Thunder do that, right? If Tobias had two years on his deal left, they might consider it. Right. Nobody wants that for so many years. Um, so, yeah, no, he's going to be here for a while. The good news is his skill set does fit. I mean, it's funky, because he should do more, and it's like, it should fit better than it does, but he's not, it's not a complete disaster if you have other guys around, and the problem is the contract.
1: Right, right, and and, and it's also like, how do they get those other guys around them that are good enough while his cap number is on the book? Exactly, exactly, exactly. It's it's tough to do both things at once. Um, Emily, do you have anything else for your own?
2: No, I think I'm good, just, Thanks for coming on and answering all of our questions.
1: Yes. You were our first guest. It was so nice to talk to you and, and see you. Uh, so your book is available now, Tanking to the Top. Uh, I can't yes. recommend it enough. I love that book. Um, uh It's really great. Thank and you, just, guys. It just has everything that you want to know and don't want to know from the process. Um, <laughs> do you have anything else that you'd like us to promote or get out there or social media? What do you got?
4: No, you find me on Twitter now. No more bleach reports. So if you guys are hiring, please reach me. But otherwise, no. Buy the book and uh, stay. Yeah, check out my Twitter feed, for my work, and I appreciate coming on. This is fun. Thank you. Great.
1: What is your what is your Twitter feed for everybody?
4: Uh, it is Yaron Weitzman. So you gotta get your Hebrew in there. But Y R O N W E I T Z M A N.
1: Love it. Thank you so much for talking to us, man. And we will uh, check in with you soon. Thanks
3: so much. My pleasure, guys. Thank, uh, thank you for having me. I appreciate Thanks it so truly. much. Have a good one. Bye. Yeah.
1: All right, guys, it's us again. Do we have anything else we want to say before the Dan?
3: How's the boat? All right. So I got off the boat to to improve my like connection, (laughs) but now I'm watching. I'm watching like my roommates on the boat, and I'm getting a little jealous. But I do have to say. Watching these playoffs, I'm now a Raptors fan. Oh, really? Oh no. Well, I, I can't, I can't. It, there's four options out of the East, and they're the, 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 the most tolerable out of the choices here.
1: Yeah, I think I agree with that.
2: I disagree.
3: And we don't. I don't need anyone else being happy. Like they already won. They're not gonna like. I don't need new happy. Like new people who are gonna like new sit on the Sixers. Like Emily,
1: what no, do I anyways,
2: do you? I have to say. I, I guess I'm rooting for the Bucks. It's not like a sexy choice. It's like kind of like a stock choice, but like I can't get over four bounces. Like it's still triggering for me. Kawhi naming his shoe that was too much for me. Like I'm not he over did? it. And I, Kawhi. He named the yeah, shoe. His like, new like shoes are like called like four bounces.
1: That is a, a, like a terrorist.
2: Act of exactly. terrorism, yeah,
1: that's not nice. I hate that so much.
2: <laughs> I'm not, and I'm not over it. Like, it's seared into my brain, so I cannot wish, like, anything good on them. No. And then, Yeah, but, Emily, how are you going to deal
3: with trust the results? Ugh.
2: What?
3: How are you going to deal with trust the results?
2: It's just easier for me. I don't know why. I don't know. I don't have, yeah, I. I guess I say bucks. That's just what I say. Sorry.
1: <laughs> um i can't
2: i can't get over it i can't get over that game game seven i remember like where i was i cried in a bar like i can't oh it's no seared into my head
1: awful try
2: yeah. <laughs> a lot in case you guys didn't know <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right About so <laughs> uh we should get you guys out of here dan needs to go back onto the boat with his friends and have fun emily's been in a car for like two hours now um <laughs> We'll be back with you. We'll record again on Sunday. Hopefully we have front office changes and some more coaching rumors uh, to talk about then. Uh, But, yeah, that's basically it. Thank you again to Yaron for coming on to talk with us. And uh, thank you, guys. It's good to see you both and uh, enjoy the rest of your day.
2: Yeah, thanks. Bye, guys. Have fun. Bye, guys. Bye.